0: Hey Church, we're in our third installment of our Revive series as we're talking about repentance all through this month. We've been in Psalm 51 all through this month. Today we're dealing with verses 13 through 17. And hopefully by now, as you've gone through the first two installments of this, your conception, your understanding, your perception, your experience of repentance has started to shift and a change. Because from the first week when we talked about Kingdom Identity, We try to change the tone of repentance so that it's not um, a poor connotation that's associated with repentance, but it's a good one. It's a beneficial one. It's it's the Lord's Uh, mercy, it's his abundant compassion, it's his steadfast love, it's joy, it's gladness, those things are associated with repentance. And then in your discipleship destiny in that week, we started talking about how your destiny is to be healed holistically and fully, so that repentance is no longer just a changing of the mind, although it includes that, but it's also an emotional exchange. It is a spiritual exchange. It is a physical, even a physical exchange, where there's healing to your bones, there's refreshment to your bones, and healing to your flesh. And and so when now when I say the word repentance, you should say, and hopefully, you said or you thought revival, because our main idea throughout this entire thing is repentance produces revival. And today we're talking about. How that isn't just a revival that's supposed to stay in our secret heart, locked away. It is a revival that influences society around us. Because when revival happens here, it's going to happen around us. And when true repentance happens, when genuine repentance happens, then revival. we're going to see revival in our communities, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, and in our nation. And society is going to be changed. It's kingdom disciples engaging society. And out of that arises the church. And it, and that church looks a certain way, guys, when it's when it's kingdom disciples engaging society, which we'll get to next week. But today, as we engage society as kingdom disciples into repentance, it looks like this. So verse 13, he says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, God, and sinners will return to you. So first of all, he says, He says, I will teach them. Guys, you get to share the act of repentance with others. You get to share what it's done in your life. You get to share how it's being lived out. And you may be thinking... Well, why why, why would I do that? Well, again, hopefully your tone of repentance has changed. Hopefully your definition of repentance has been shifting and has been changing. If you're still thinking about why would I share this with others, you're thinking probably too much about yourself and not enough about God because in repentance, you're sharing God's goodness. You're sharing his steadfast love. You're sharing his abundant mercy. You're sharing his joy. You're sharing his gladness. You're sharing all those things. And so why wouldn't you share that? If you're experiencing that and that revival is in your heart, that's just going to overflow out of you and look at the result it's, he says here the result is sinners people who are far from God people who are separated from God people who have that chasm of sin still between them and between God who haven't accepted Christ's blood as the covering of their sin who don't believe in Jesus to give them the abundant life they're still separated from God he says those people they'll return they'll return to him they'll return to God that's the result that they will return to God. It's, it's Luke 22, Jesus says this to Peter when when he's foretelling Peter's denial of him. He says, hey, you're going to deny me. But when you've turned again, when you've repented, when you've experienced true repentance, strengthen your brothers. It's not just for you. It's for all those around you. It's for those you share life with. It's for those you're in a relationship with. It's for your R3. It's for your neighbors. It's for your coworkers as for our city, as we work in this city, as we engage in society. And they'll return to you. Verse 14, he says, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation. God has delivered you from guiltiness. He's delivered you from sin. He's delivered you from oppression. He's actually set you free. Jesus, like we talked about back in our Christmas series, He came to set the captives free. He came to set you free from oppression. And he's given you you salvation. And so that's why he says here, deliver me from this blood guiltiness, O God. And and, O God, you're the God of my salvation. So he's, he's saying you've taken away the guiltiness, you've taken away the shame, and you've replaced it with your salvation, with your freedom. And then he says, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Oh Lord, open my lips, my mouth will declare your praise. There's a lot of future tense verbs in here because the, the act of repentance in the timeline of this Psalm has happened and, and God has turned David's heart. He's turned David's mind. He's, he's exchanged his emotions. David has ex- experienced even physical healing. And so he says, I will give you this praise, my, my, I'm going to open my lips, I will sing aloud of, of your righteousness. <clears throat> and, uh, and why? I guess why is the question? Why, why would David do this? Well, because he's realized the fullness of repentance, like we talked about last time. This fullness of repentance is causing him to sing aloud is causing him to declare God's righteousness. It's causing him to open his mouth and say it out loud to declare the praise of God. It's a public pronouncement. That's how we influence society. Like it's, it's, it's speaking the word of truth. It's sharing it with others. I didn't say this last week because I was gonna talk about it this week, but back in verse eight, he, when he says, let me hear joy and gladness, the connotation there is a public hearing. It's when you share joy and when you share gladness, when he says in verse 8, everybody should know about it because you're attributing it to, the, to, to God, right? And, and so when he talks about this here, this is also in that same context. There's a public pronouncement of hearing the righteousness of God, of singing aloud of it, of, of hearing the praise of God, of opening our lips and declaring it through our mouth. And remember, it's God's kindness back in, or in, in Romans 2, 4. It's God's kindness that leads to repentance. So when you go publicly proclaim it, it's an act of kindness. You're actually multiplying the kindness of God and you're reviving other people with that kindness. And here's the thing, guys. I don't know if you have much of a choice in the matter. Because when you've truly experienced Genuine repentance. You can't help but do this. And so if you struggle to worship and sing God's, of God's righteousness and declare praises, if you struggle to share your faith and proclaim the joy and the gladness and the goodness of God and His steadfast love and His abundant compassion, His mercy you may not actually be experiencing true repentance. You may still be lacking in the fullness of it. Go back to to the last one to, to hear what the fullness of it is. You may still have the wrong word association with it. You may still be saying, well, repentance leads to mourning. No, your sin leads to, your sin has led to that. Repentance leads to guilt. No, no, your sin did that. Repentance leads to, Joy and gladness. You're experiencing who God is. And so if you truly experience that, you can't help but share it. And that's, that's how David has, has phrased this. And, and so if you're not experiencing true repentance, then what are you experiencing? Well, look at verses 16 through 17. He says, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. How often have we traded religious rituals like sacrifices or just going through the motions How often have we traded those religious rituals or just going through the motions for actual, true, genuine repentance? And so you may not be declaring the praises of God. You may not be declaring his righteousness because you are just going through the motions. You may not be doing that because you are just doing a religious ritual. For some Christians, that looks like Going to confession, saying some Hail Marys, uh, then you're good. For some Christians, it looks like beating yourself up so you feel bad enough about your sin that hopefully you won't do it again. For some Christians, it's, it's oh, I'm going to ask God for forgiveness and try to feel bad for a few days, and then, you know, I'll eventually get over it and I'll be good, and God and I will be good. No, guys, that's not the way of repentance. Mark 7 says, wow, Jesus is saying, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God for the traditions of men. And we've done that so much in repentance where we have actually rejected the true sacrifice, which is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. And now you might be saying, oh, here, here we go, here it comes. Here's a sackcloth, here's the ashes, here's the mourning, here's the guilt that we should feel like when we repent. No, guys, just because there is brokenness and contrition in your spirit doesn't mean there isn't hope remember how this psalm has talked about who God is. Remember how we've redefined repentance and how we set it in in this this new context of joy and gladness and how it is a holistic healing. That still applies here. So your brokenness and your contrition, now it isn't sackcloth and ashes and pulling out your beard and all that stuff like that's in the Old Testament. Now, It's it's still in this context about who God is. Now we're learning who we are. Now we can open up that secret heart and say, God, we want you uh, to be in there. We want your spirit to dwell there. We want your truth to reign there. We want your wisdom to be in there. And we want to open that up to you. Because here's the thing. It would be different if we were broken and contrite. And there's nothing to heal us. Like if you broke your arm and there's no way to fix it, that would be truly despairing. Right? We would just say, oh, well, there's no hope then. But that's not the case with sin. It's not the case with repentance. There actually is true hope. Because if we have repented, if we have experienced God's true repentance in this way, God restores And he heals. He restores the joy of your salvation. He renews the steadfast spirit in you. He upholds you with a willing spirit as, as we've read, as we've talked about in this passage. And, and that changes people around you. Because if that, if you experience that with God, it changes how you experience sin with others. So when someone sins against you, you don't see it from your flesh and from your hurt and from your pain and from your brokenness. Now you see it from the lens of Christ, from his goodness, from his purity, from his holiness, from his wholeness, because you've experienced it. You've been healed by that. And so when you lash out at somebody that's lashed out at you, you you're, you're not giving them something that's been given to you. And God is saying, no, guys, you don't have to be down in the dumps over there. You're, you're children of God. You don't belong there in the muck and in the mire of sin and of this world. You're seated in Christ Jesus at the right hand of of the Father. The image of God, the very image of God is in you. Wow, that's the beauty, that's the grandeur of who you are in Christ Jesus. You are not your sin. You are not your brokenness. You are whole and made whole and healed in Christ Jesus. You are light. You were once dead, you were once darkness, but now you're a light in the Lord. And so walk in that light. And as you do that, you'll influence society all around you. So I want us to do an exercise because this is going to take a few minutes. So I want this exercise to be one in which We we go to the Lord together, we go to the thrain of gross of gross of of grace together. We and that and we can experience God's abundant compassion and his mercy and his healing and his joy and his gladness together as a church, as a body of Christ, as a people of God, as a family of God, as a household of God. We can experience that together because guys, we're living on mission together as a church. Like we are are trying to live on mission together where we're trying to live in a certain way together to see the kingdom ushered in in our city. And so I want us to do this exercise because it's going to breed unity in us. It's going to breed these characteristics of God in us. And so um, this is what I want you to do. Um, And if you're new to prayer, if you're new to this, this might be a little weird to you if you're still learning how to pray um, hopefully this helps teach you how to pray because prayer isn't all about talking Uh, it's a lot about listening too Um, it's a lot it's 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 about meditating it's about hearing God it's not a monologue it's a dialogue between you and God and so we want to open ourselves up for the spirit to speak to us today And, and I want to do that together so if you would, if you want, no one's forcing you to do this, but if you want, close your eyes and open your hands. And this is just a physical posture of a spiritual reality, that we're opening our hearts to God, that we're open That we're open to what he wants to do in our lives. So um, close your eyes. You can bow your head. You don't have to close your eyes. You can keep your eyes open. Actually, Jesus prayed uh, with his eyes open all the time. It's, it's something I do uh, a lot, and it kind of weirds people out. But... Um, uh, but you, you can try it. I know if, if, if Matt's listening, he always prays with his eyes open. Uh, uh, I know because I see him and we lock eyes sometimes. Um, but open your hands and um, as this physical physical gesture of, of what you want to release to God. And so let's do that now and just be in silence for a few seconds. Hopefully whatever, hopefully you've discerned the motivations and the things that are in your secret heart and your inward being that we talked about in the first, in the first week. So place that in your hands, like just visually place that in your hands to give to God. Now I want you to start breathing in this word, Abba, and start breathing out Father. So breathe in Abba, Breathe out, Father. Breathe in, Abba. And say it out loud. And you don't have to say it loud, but you can say it under your breath, but say it out loud. And breathe out, Father. Abba, Father. You can even do it in your mind if you want. Just as you breathe in, say Abba. As you breathe out, say Father. Whatever is easiest for you, whatever is most beneficial for you. And let's just do that for 30, 40 seconds or so. It's just gonna be silent while, while you do that. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. And now as the psalmist says, I mentioned this last time in Psalm 40, Psalm 37, say to the Lord, I want to delight in your will. I want to delight myself in you. Just express your desire to God. If that's your desire, if it's not your desire, um, you can choose not to say that. If If it's not your desire, you can also choose to try to say that so that God forms and shapes your desire. And if it is your desire, just declare that to the Lord. Uh, you don't have to do that out loud. You can, you can but, I'll, but you can do that uh, silently as well. And just declare, Lord, I want your will. I want to delight in your will, and I want what you want. And you can keep on breathing in Abba and breathing out Father as well for the next 30 seconds or so. Father hopefully in that time I know it's brief it's just to give you some tools to take into experiencing true repentance you see here we didn't focus on your individual sins I didn't say hey let's parse out your sins and put your struggles in there we just focused on God. We focused on our Daddy, our Abba Father who is was there with His steadfast love, His compassion that's abundant, His mercy, His joy, His gladness. We focused on Him. And as a, a true, our, our true act of repentance is simply that. It's taking our eyes off of our sin and putting them on Jesus, putting them on God, It's allowing the spirit to fill us. It's not focusing on the bad, but now experiencing God's goodness. It's tasting the Lord and knowing that, uh, tasting his goodness and knowing him through that. It's him lifting our head and lifting our eyes to him. It's getting out of the mire and the muck of this world and and looking up to, to God seated in heaven. And so hopefully that gives you tools to truly continuing experiencing repentance because repentance guys, there's a punctiliar point where there's a one-time thing, but it's also part of our process of sanctification, becoming more like Jesus becoming more holy right of being made perfect. It's, it's this continual act. And here's another just tool um, and, and truth is that you are forgiven. You don't actually have to ask for God's forgiveness. If you're in Christ Jesus, he's already given it to you. And so when I pray after I've sinned, I say, God, thank you for your forgiveness. You've already given it to me. When I didn't deserve it, thank you for it. Thank you for the blood of Christ that that covers my sin. Christ gave his life so that I wouldn't have to die because of my sin. And I can actually live to you now. I mean, there's so many amazing truths in there, but I just thank God for what he's given me. And, it, and, it, and instead of saying, God, please forgive me, give me forgiveness, that's, that's old repentance. That's your old understanding of it. That's a different tone of repentance. It's no, oh my gosh, God, you've already forgiven me. What? How amazing is that? That God has already forgiven you. That you've already been cleansed by the blood of Christ if you're in Christ Jesus. Joy, gladness that should breed in your heart and your soul. And then that exudes and overflows out of you to others around you. Because when a revival has started in your heart, when it's taken root in our hearts through repentance, it will inevitably multiply revival around us. That's how the Lord works. We can't help it. He just does it. And so when that happens to kingdom disciples who are engaging society, the church arises out of that. And that church looks a certain way. And we're going to talk about that next time because we want to be that type of church. And so this week, I just want to bless you to continue uh, just being in dialogue with God and experiencing his true repentance. In Jesus' name, amen.